Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Monday Musings with RC, where I tell you what's been going on in the Black community and how we can best serve our own communities. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me, Dr. Tamika Anderson-Reeves. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good evening as well to everyone. Definitely. So I know that death and dying is a topic that is often hard to discuss, but November is Alzheimer's Awareness Month as well as Caregiver Awareness Month. And so oftentimes, um, as, as we age, we find ourselves caring for those that are older than us that need a caregiver. So today, Dr. Anderson Reeves and I are going to talk about the caregiving experience. So let me give you her official bio. Dr. Tamika Anderson Reeves has worked in the maternal child health community for over 17 years. Her life's work has been focused on assisting high-risk families to overcome challenges when accessing and utilizing systems of care that provide perinatal care and social support services. To support this passion, she obtained her Bachelor of Science, or her Bachelor of Social Work, I'm sorry, from the University of St. Francis in Joliet and a Master of Social Work at Chicago State University. Dr. Anderson Reeves continues to advance in the social work profession and just recently completed her dissertation and has her PhD now. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And she's, her focus is on reproductive health policy. She also volunteers her time with organizations that have a mission to improve and transform the lives of families residing in communities that continue to experience social injustice. An official welcome to Dr. Anderson Reeves. Thank you. Thank you for having me, RC. I um, do appreciate that warm inter introduction. No problem. So just to give folks a little background, I feel like we're all, well, we are technically at home, but everybody, right. you know, family out here. Um, right. And we went to grade school and high school together. So Absolutely. we've known each other for a long time. A long time. We're starting to get to that point where it's been a yeah, long time. Right. A long time. <laughs> it's a long time. And my father was your assistant pastor until yes. he recently retired. Yeah. Um, and I've been enjoying these Monday musings because I realized that I have so many fantastic people in my personal network. It's not six degrees away from me. It's literally Absolutely. right next to me. So I have tried very hard to reach right outside and pull people in. Um, and even though your background, as we heard, is all about um, maternal child and family care, mm -hmm. um, you have had some serious experience with caregiving. Mm -hmm. And as we know, we often find ourselves caregivers to our loved ones, but that doesn't stop our careers, our family Absolutely. life, our personal life, and we have to juggle all of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm personally amazed by the fact that you were able to do that multiple times Yes. And, and get to this point where you have your PhD, that didn't stop you, you kept going. So I'm eager to find out all of how you maintain balance, but first... Um, I just want to ask, like, what led to your um, passion for reproductive health in general? Absolutely. So when I first started out in social work, um, you know, in my social work generalist practice at St. Francis, I was really geared towards child welfare. And so what I was finding out is that the problem that we were seeing was something that was starting at the birth experience. I was like, if we could really work with women and children at the birthing phase, 
then perhaps we can stop moms from, you know, suffering from, you know, mental health issues, really working on those parenting skills, help them set up a reproductive life plan and say, hey, I don't want to have all these children. I'm making, you know, poor choices. So let me think about what I want to do in the next five, 10 years. Let me get a birth control method that perhaps will help me, right? right. And so I got an opportunity to start working in health and public health. And so I started off as a low-risk prenatal case manager. Um, and so that's all about gathering resources, finding out what services available, what you're eligible for. So I became very resourceful. And then I moved up the chain and became a team lead, then became a manager over maternal child and health support services within my organization. And then I started uh, supporting the outreach uh, efforts. And then I started really focusing on community organizing. And when we look at grassroots community organizing, you're really looking at that community level policy change. Mm -hmm. And at the community level, you start to say like, hey, these policies at the federal level are really impacting how we function at the local level. And so I had some opportunities to transition to um, serve on a national platform. And now I serve, I'm the past president for the National Healthy Start Association. And through those efforts, I've been able to work closely with congressional members on the Capitol Hill, been able to really share stories about what's happening at the local level right. and to actually infuse some of those stories and um, for elected officials to be able to share those experiences on, on the floor. We are frozen here for a moment. Let's see. Hello, everybody. If you are just tuning in, I'm here with Dr. Tamika Anderson. Yeah. We lost connection for a moment, not sure if it was on my end or not, but we're going to pick back up because where it froze on my end was when you told us that um, you're working with congressional leaders and okay. so your stories, you were able to tell those stories to them so that they can then speak on those stories as examples and kind mm -hmm. of case studies when they're on the floor. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And so that's where I left off at. And so I think that really translated into me. So back in 2004, um, my mom took my grandmother in. Um, she was experiencing, you know, some psychological issues. So my mom was like, hey, I need you to help me find services. I'm like, help me find services. I work with children. children. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I am actually, I can help her find housing. Like, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, looking for diapers and pampers and strollers. I'm like, that's like the other side of the spectrum. That's right. the geriatric yeah. population. That's not what I do. She's like, but you're resourceful. And I'm like, I am that. And so began to start really looking at resources. Now, mind you, my experience is in the city of Chicago. So now I got to come to the proviso township. I'm like, I don't know what's out here. So started just picking up the phone calls, what I would do when I was a case manager and start mm -hmm. asking questions. And so the Department of Aging led me to proviso services for the aging population. Mm -hmm. And they were able to come out to the home, do a home visit, kind of walk my mom through like, hey, this is what the home visit is going to be. They're going to ask you questions. Be honest because you want to make for sure you get the right services for her. And so from there, we were able to get case management services for my grandmother and get some services in place for her that she did not have. I want to back up for one moment, though. So you were saying that you were doing all this work. Um, and um, I want to stop for a moment because I like for in these shows for us to really 
think about how things connect to policy reform, oh, voting, absolutely. all these things that have been going on most recently, and people often forget that while we have the presidential um, elections, we also have local elections, and it's very absolutely. important for us to consistently vote and vote for leaders that have our communities in mind and share mm -hmm. our agendas so that we yep. have the resources available. Because yep. if the money isn't there, when we the pick up the phone to call for these resources for, um, for children and mothers or for the elderly, we'll get a dead end. Yep. So it's, it's very important that we continue to vote, know what's going on in our communities and know our needs and then speak up for our needs. So I appreciate you doing that and the work that yep. you continue to do. Mm -hmm. And then, and so you're staying back in 2004. So your mom is like, we know you can do this. You can help us. Back. How old were you? <laughs> so, all right. At that moment, I was turning 24. At that okay, time, I was so 23 still. So I was still like young. <laughs> and that's why I was asking. So not to necessarily age you or anything, but the reason I'm, I'm oh, asking okay. is because sometimes we find ourselves in caregiver um, mm -hmm. moments, I'll say, at different yep points in time. And just because we're a caregiver for a short for one period of time doesn't mean that it's going to last forever or doesn't mean it's going to be as short-lived as we might anticipate. And it's never um, the, the perfect time to be a caregiver. So you could be 23, you could be 43, you could be 63 and be a mm -hmm. caregiver. So now Absolutely. you're about 23, 24, and yeah. now this is your grandmother. Absolutely. So now what happened that she needed a caregiver? So uh, she started having some mental health challenges where she couldn't be at home by herself. Um, one of the neighbors actually reached out to my mom and said, hey, your mom is screaming in the middle of the street. And so at that point, they called, you know, 911. They picked her up. They took her to Loretta Hospital. And from that point on, they put her in under psychiatric evaluation, a 72-hour hold. And so they were thinking, about sending her to a nursing home. Mom was like, no, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. How and old so, was your grandmother at that time? Whew, in her 80s. So okay. she passed in 2013 when she was 95. So, oh, wow. That's a so long we're looking time. at, she lived a long time, but I'm going to speak to like the, the type of support services needed when you're caring for somebody mm -hmm. um, that, you know, transitions into that phase of Alzheimer's. And so what my mom did is sat down with me and my brother. Um, and said, hey, I'm going to need you guys to support this process. I'm like, hey, whatever you need, like you've been there for us. So whatever I can do to help, you know, I was a phone caller finding out these services and by me working with congressional leaders on maternal child health issues, I went immediately to our elected official office. I went to Congress, Congressman Danny Davis' office like, hey, what services do we have out here? Right. Like, <laughs> I'm in the city now. I'm on the south side, so I don't know what we have. Got some phone numbers um, from the office, from the staff in the office, and then began to connect the dots. Because again, I'm working in the city, so it's different in the city. You kind of call these numbers and people lead you um, into different avenues. And so what we were able to do is get um, what they called at that time respite care. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get somebody to come in for a few hours, sit with my um, grandmother. And so when, what her son agreed to do was to say, hey, I know have to go to work at five o'clock in the morning which was my mom so I'll come from five o'clock to eight o'clock and then my mom had a good girlfriend that will come from eight o'clock to twelve o'clock mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then from twelve o'clock to five o'clock we would have that respite care right. and so at that point everybody was kind of running to get home because my mom was working downtown taking public transportation to get back so she would get back here as soon as that respite person was supposed to leave or either my dad would step in 
and help out with my grandmother, you know, until my mom would get home. And so my mom- One question. How did your grandmother feel about all these different people coming into the home providing care? Oh, she was very upset. She lost independence. She was used to living on the west side of Chicago mm-hmm. by herself in her own two-bedroom apartment. She was used to coming and going to the convenience store. And, you know, she we, she dipped sugar. So we used to be like, okay, dip us snuff. And um, she was just used to that whole life. And so we had to fight a lot to help her with, like, that schedule. Because she right. was older. She had been living on her own. And who was really the person that got her to understand was my brother. Um, my brother was the one that had a way with her. I became that girl. That was my name. When is that girl coming back? So I lost my name. At first, I, I, was, so offended. They they I was so offended. I'm like, I'm not that girl. Now, mind you, I'm 20-something years old. I'm like, I'm not that girl. I don't know who she's talking to. <laughs> so i began to do is reach out to the social the um, licensed clinical at my job to say hey i'm a mom of my so i'm using my connections at this point like help me to understand why i'm that girl and help me to stop being angry because my mom is like hey i still work a full-time job she worked at bank of america for four years She's like hey i got to go to work i can't like do this right now and so i began to garner a selfless spirit like you know what mm-hmm. my grandmother did for me she did mm-hmm. for my brother you know she did for all my cousins it was because i was like really? yes that's very i was mature. looking at my mom crash i was like i need my mama Okay, you my mom to stay healthy. So you were like, I'm gonna step up to keep my mama here with me. So, so okay. and I'm like, okay, now at this point, 2004, I'm pregnant with my first child, right? So I started to look at it as a win-win. So when I would come out on the weekends or sometimes after work, I would just spend the night here. And then I would get up, they would keep him, you know, for me on the weekends. If I had stuff to do running around, I would wash my clothes on the weekends. Or you, it was like here, my, you mean at your grandmother's house? At my mother's house. At my mother's house because she moved oh. in with my mom. Okay. So I would stay over the weekend, which now mind you, <laughs> I do have a husband at this point too. Mm-hmm. So it's like asking a lot for him. And I'm like, hey, you know, I got to help my mom. You know what I'm saying? My mom is my rock. And so, and my grandmother is her rock. I, I need to be this person right. for her. And so, you know, what we don't talk about in the black community is what's going to happen when we get to that death and dying phase of life. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about the development about of wills. Headstones, burials, wills, trust, nothing. Insurance we just think we're going to go to sleep, not wake up, and all will be well. We don't talk about none of that. And so what I did understand at that time was that my communication skills had to be stellar. Like, these are the days I'm going to help my mom these are the days that she's going to help me with, at, you know, my oldest child. And if you can come back Sunday night to take him to daycare on Monday morning, I'm going to go straight to work on the West side and then I'll pick him up, you know, and then I'll just continue my routine. So, and so just for clarity, I know I'm interrupting you a lot, but I want to no, that's okay. no, ask questions because people need to know. So your, your grandmother moved in with your mother or your mother yes. moved in with your grandma? No, the grandma moved in with my mom. So my uh, grandmother left the west side, moved uh, into the suburb, western suburbs with my mom. So she lost independence. You know, we had, you know, because I moved out, so there was this room. And so what we tried to do was create 
her space within that room. So whatever her apartment looked like, right. we tried to create that space, right? Nice. Okay. And while we thought we were doing great, we was taking her independence away. And I wish someone, I wish there would be some type of roadmap to say how you should transition right. someone that is transitioning to Alzheimer's. How do you transition them from the place they know is home to a new home? Because it's for the benefit of them. We knew she wasn't going to a nursing home. We just knew that that was not going to happen. Because you all were going to choose not to take her there because you were going to to take care of her in your home. Your absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. What, just the team of her supports, me, my brother, a couple of my cousins, okay. um, my grandmothers, her oldest son, a couple of my aunties. And, you know, as time goes on, people are there at that initial phase, but as time goes on, that support system dwindles. Because right. at that point, everybody was like, oh, she's not going to be around much longer, you know, she just. But when you take care of somebody, they last longer. Right, exactly. So we put, on, you know, um, we had meals for wheels. I found out like, hey, we're gonna make sure she got food. We don't have to cook. So right. meals for wheels was a thing for a few years for her. And again, that's why it's important to understand that political process because that federal funding trickles down to the state. The state trickles down to these programs. Exactly. And i.e. she has a caregiver, a respite caregiver coming in to give us all the break. Um, we have meals on wheels. We're making sure her Medicare is in place. Medicaid is in place. Yep. Making sure her, her medication, like we had like, it's an organized process. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people don't know where to start at when they exactly. start being a caregiver. They just know, I don't want my family member to go here. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of resources on the internet, but let's be real. Everybody is not, go you have to have the right keywords to mm -hmm. search on the internet for what you're looking for. And if you're not savvy like that, you just like, somebody help me understand. And by mm -hmm. me being resourceful and working in healthcare, I was able to call on my colleagues and put my hands on things. Exactly. So that was what helped, was helpful for me. Okay. So now, now we got the baseline because I wanted people to see kind of how things start because a lot of times, well, at, at our age, we're now finding ourselves being caregivers to our parents. Mm-hmm. And whereas you started much earlier than most, so yeah. I think um, it's good for people to be able to relate to this and say, yeah, I see my parents, maybe even if um, their parents aren't in full-blown, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's at this point, they may see them memory loss a little bit more than normal yeah. or physically not able to care for themselves. Yeah. And they're probably contemplating taking the car keys or moving into their home with them or nursing home or having the parent come live with them. Right. And so I think it's good that people hear um, relatable stories yep. as you've gone through that, that it is overwhelming. You acknowledge it's overwhelming when you first start. You don't know the resources you that, not. you know, when you take away somebody's independence and they are fully grown, 70, 80 years old is all the way grown. Now you're trying to tell the child, trying to tell the parent what to do, that anybody's going to be defensive. Absolutely. Um, there were so many random trips to the hospital, the emergency room. Um, Westlake at that time, and um, my heart is hard, you know, it cries a lot that Westlake is closed now, because mm -hmm. Westlake was our second home many of times. Yeah. Um, my mom would spend many nights when my grandmother would go to Westlake because she was having an episode. Right. And so we, you know, as we progress through Alzheimer's, right, so we start to look at the warning signs that start happening, the memory loss, mm -hmm. um, the, lo um, the loss of appetite. Um, my, my grandmother would go on hunger strikes, not because she was angry. It was just 
she just felt um, something was happening where she's like, I'm not hungry. And so once I know, I'm like, she got to eat. Like my, we can't have an issue with elder abuse. Like we have to document because I work in healthcare. We got to document what's happening. Call the doctors. We can't keep taking her to the doctor. And so then we start getting the, uh, the doctors that came into the home. Right. nurses that came into the home. Yep. So we have to change the type of resources, the type of conversations. And so I became the advocate in a home and it is time consuming. I will tell you that. Um, I got angry a lot because I'm like, man, I'm giving up my twenties. Like right. y'all helping me with my son, but like, um, this is a lot, you know, at right. first it was okay. And then I became like angry. Like it became like, uh, I need you to come out here, be out here three, four hours. I got to go to church. I need to go to the grocery store. I need a break. And I'm just like, man, I am like in my twenties. I can't keep helping y'all. Right. And so I be, I got angry mm-hmm. and then I got burnt out. And right. so then it started translating to me being angry within my own house. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom started seeing that, she actually took it upon herself to call the department of aging. Like, Hey, I'm losing some of my caregiver support. Are, are there other resources? Well, as life will have it, they had just received another grant. So now my mother has, a grandmother has a full eight hour time mm-hmm. slot, five days a week. Nice. So now that took a whole, everybody out the picture. Like Monday through Friday, we got eight hours a week. They going to come wash her up. Because at some point, you know, as we're, as we're shifting into the dementia realm, she's no longer getting out the bed because she feels like I can't get up. She's no longer walking. She's no longer feeding herself. She's no longer talking. And so, you know, it, it progressed very slow for my grandmother. And so the decline just, it just, it was hard to see someone that was a strong black woman. I mean, she had 16 kids, my grandmother did, 16, right. So when you look at who this woman was, when she was born, post-slavery, living on, you know, the plantation, because they didn't know they didn't have to live on the plantation anymore, because my my parents picked cotton. So like, I feel like I'm not that far removed from the process. Right. so. This woman right here, hands down, <laughs> to see her go like that was just like, wow. So we began to, then my nieces and nephews started helping out. So we gave everybody jobs. Like, hey, we need you to come sit in this room and watch her get out the bed. So right. then the grandkids are like, okay. You know, they not thinking, but it was actually like a relief. So it's not a one-person job. And I, and I want the Black community to understand it's not a one-person job. It's a team of supports. Right. And so if you're considering bringing somebody into the home or moving in with somebody to be a caretaker and you're like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. We need to get in the business of planning instead of reacting after the fact, you know? Yes. Um, oh, you're going to preach. I'm going to take up an offering. <laughs> like we got, we got to do better black community. We don't talk. And by my grandmother not having much, you know, I mean, she got a social security check every month. You know, it's only like $500. Right. I'm like, that's not taking care of nothing. We buying diapers. We're done buying pads, medicine, uh, all of her essentials. That that right there is not enough. (laughs) So you know we digging it. Another grown person, people don't get it. You when you are financially responsible for another grown person, so they're used to a standard of living. Absolutely. You can't just take away everything from a grown person and think they're gonna be okay with it. So we would we would have to as 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 I said we would have to peel her back her two hundred dollars. A month that she wanted in her pocketbook okay exactly. she wouldn't she wasn't going anywhere she wasn't using it right but she wanted her pocketbook right. and so because my grandmother was so closely connected with the church that that 
outlet of not being able to go to the church because she was a mother of the church mm-hmm. that began to like do something to her she's like i can't go to church on sundays so then we started having many church what you know we would let her dress in all white put on the nurse and her mother's hat and oh, she was a nurse at one point in time in church. and we were at church with her on sunday no. so, <laughs> in the house in the house because you got to think about you trying to you try to have some sense of normalcy into the best of your ability right because you're taking everything away right right so we would create church <laughs> when i think back i'm like man we did a whole lot like i don't think people know you got to do a whole lot to yes, give them long life you know right, what i mean right, right. especially when it starts alzheimer's you know starts to onset in the late 70s 80s you got to really start working on that and so what I can tell you is my grandmother's long-term memory was like the strength of iron. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she could remember stuff from her adolescent phase, teenage phase, but anything that happened yesterday, she did not remember. Right. And at first, when we saw, started seeing the memory loss, we were like, what is going on with her? She's like having, she would have these mood swings, especially at the five o'clock hour. When, that's when she would start sunsetting. And I was like, what is going on with her? We got to get her in bed. Now, that's a term that many people may not know. So let's mm-hmm. break down the term um, sunsetting. So when you said sunsetting, what did you mean by that? So for us, what we, to translate it into the simplest form is like at five, that's basically her time. At, at five o'clock, she starts to transition. Like, it's like nighttime in her, her mental Rolodex. Like, it is like the end of the day for her. Like, it was like, before she stopped walking, it was her like, I want my pajamas now. I want this now. She became she became angry. We we're like, why does she get angry like this every day? Right. And then we called Department of Aging, talked to the case manager, like something is just clearly not right. She's not herself. And it's right. like, oh, we call that sunsetting. So mm-hmm. what we need to do is start prepping her about four o'clock, like we're getting ready for bed. Cause again, she will wake up at like three, four o'clock in the morning. Right. So when you think about the day she didn't have, like she didn't been up a long time. So she'd have been up a whole long time. So we would start preparing like at four o'clock. So that respite worker, what we would have that person do is start to get her set up for bed. And so when I would walk in or my mom would walk in or was that night shift person, we'll get ready to start putting her in bed. And so our evening with her would end at five. We would give her insure, you know, like at seven, make sure she take her night meds. She would like, channel seven was her favorite. We left that TV on channel seven all day long right 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 because right. <laughs> yep. that was her routine so we didn't touch it um it, it got to the point when she got to the point i moved next door to my mom it was an opportunity for me to move into the house next door to my parents oh and you so, are hardcore at such a young age yeah that's i felt like very responsible in your early 20s right yeah. i mean i early 20s it calls for burnout too it calls for like I I can't take care of nobody else and so well I had a couple of questions though um so first of all when you said that you the the symptoms of like dementia and then Mm -hmm. progress to um, Alzheimer's so you talked about some symptoms of um short-term memory loss Mm -hmm. so you can remember you know 50 years ago but not last week or 15 minutes ago kind of thing right Um, and then being combative is another sign of that early dementia, moving mm-hmm. on um, And then you said loss of appetite. And these are things I've looked up, you know, I've mm-hmm. been a caregiver as well. So I'm just making sure that the um, people watching out there who may find themselves in positions, 
um, can like pay attention to these things going on with loved ones. Uh, especially if you know as somebody that is, she, my grandmother had high organizational skills, like everything out of place. Mm-hmm. And when I started to see things shift, she would shift things out of place. What was supposed to be in like one area was now in a new area. And then she started doing a lot of fidgeting. You know, we see that in a lot of, you know, different mental health diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say it's that when you know they got something else going on. You just have to like identify it. And, and if you're not skilled in that, you don't even know what you're identifying. We would, the remote control to the TV will come up missing all the time. You know where we'll find it at? In her white pocketbook mm-hmm. hanging up in the closet on right. that hanger. Everything was in the white pocketbook. So we knew like she had a safe space. Right. But when we found out what the safe space was, because we had a case manager to tell us like, hey, these are some things you should start watching out for. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a lot because pregnant mamas and babies don't do all this. They don't do this. resources. Now, if there's not enough money in the budget, for enough case managers to go around, then you wouldn't have had that resource. So again, oh, absolutely not. We we know the resources. We fight for the resources. Absolutely. And yeah. Um. So I want to kind of move on. You're you're telling us about like the a day in the life of a caregiver, which is definitely why I asked you to come on. So I want to ask you. Um. So I know you were a caregiver to your that was your grandmother. That's my now, grandmother. You're saying that she lived for. Uh, from 83, this started when she somewhere around there into 95. And then 95. that is a long time for somebody to provide care to another person. So, were you and your mother and your brother and that whole village all providing care that whole time? The whole entire time. And mm. my uncle, you know, my aunts, you know, they would drop in and out from out of town. Um, and then the village. My mom's girlfriends from church, you know, they would come sit every now and then. We've had to pay out of pocket for people to come in because people were charged like $20 an hour. Mm -hmm. You know what? That $20 an hour is worth it at this point because you need to go get your nails done. You need need to do something for yourself. Like me and you need to go together. (laughs) We're tired. (laughs) Um, But what I will say, what was the best resource out of that entire experience is when we transitioned into hospice. it came we to, go to hospice because mm-hmm. hospice is a whole nother topic I want to get into because there's mm-hmm. some misnomers about hospice. Right? Oh, yeah. Before we jump into that, I just want to ask you a couple of things. Um, so you were caregiver to your grandmother and then later mm-hmm. um, other family members as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask, how um, did that caregiving experience impact you and your, your family, your husband, your young child? Um, specific examples so that people can kind of be yeah. aware of and know that they're not alone out there. Other people. Absolutely. Um, what I, and my spiritual mentors, hands down, have really, you know, supported from the church community mm-hmm. to my, my work family. And forgetting to say this, my daughter came along the way too in 2009. So like, I got a son, daughter, and you know, since we're all living here, we're like one big happy family. But what I will say is it puts a strain on a marriage. I, I saw what it did to my parents' marriage. I saw what it did to my marriage. Um, and there's a need to pause, to say, hey, thank you for supporting me, for like doing this part of my life that is so important to me because I'm a giver. You know what I mean? So like, I believe in family because without our ancestors, we wouldn't be here, right? You know what I'm saying? And so like, I feel conflicted if I don't help. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Because she took care of me when I had chicken pox. Right. I had to be like at her house on the west side for like a week. Right, exactly. <laughs> not not help clean her up, 
wash her up. I, I can't not do that. Exactly. exactly. I will feel like I'm disrespecting her. Like I can't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. And so it was a lot of educating my dad and my husband to say, you know, we all have to get old. You know, like we have to teach. Prayerfully, we live to get old. I pray. I pray. I have a long life. We don't get to live a long long life where I can like have my mind. I'll be like Jesus, keep my mind even now. Um, I really found ways for them to like support. So when she would go to the hospital, like, hey, you know, Muddy is going to the hospital tomorrow. Can you be here to help put her in a wheelchair? Hmm. Or hey, she fell out the chair today because she didn't scoot it down. Can you be that helping person? Mm-hmm. And so we have to find ways that they would help the process okay. as opposed to like watching, you know what I'm saying? Like right. they didn't want to be like that caregiver. They're like, I ain't doing all that. Right. right. But I'm we not had, wiping bus today, but, uh, no, not none of that. Right. <laughs> none of that. And that, that's a whole different experience. <laughs> we ain't got time for that, but that's, a, that's psychological process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all get old. That's what I'm going to tell right. you. <laughs> Yeah, but I had to find ways to be helpful or like, hey, can you help with the kids because I'm doing this? And so I really had to be more inclusive. My communication skills got stronger then because Mm -hmm. me sitting next door for a couple hours, you know, is a couple hours away from my husband or my mom taking care of my grandmother is taking time away from her. Because this is time they're supposed to be traveling. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Like, we supposed to be going out of town. We supposed to be. Right. Uh, that's, I would sacrifice my time for them to do that at least once or twice a year. You know, right. they would go back home to down south of Mississippi because um, they needed that time together. So no. what I did with my husband was he would come over there a lot. Okay. And we watch TV together. You know, so we have to just, you have right. to find creative ways because it's stressful. It's stressful. Now, do you think your children from the, their young age, the first, what, 10 years of their lives, seeing you care for their, so that's their great-grandmother, that was? That, yeah, that was their great-grandmother. Do you think that has um, been a benefit to them? Like, they may have been too young to remember, but you never know what things people take into their psyche. I do know they have a caring spirit. Mm-hmm. They have, when they see someone that is having some challenges, whatever that challenge may be, Right. They'd be like, Mom, I gotta go help. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, and then when I'd be like, okay, you know what? Helping goes, okay, you know, I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> right, right. Stop. <laughs> like, stop. Right. But they need, like, right. it's one thing to help, but then it's one thing to enable. Like, we right. weren't enabling Maria because she just couldn't do for us. Right. 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 <laughs> it's a thin line. And so just now I have to teach them that part of it because they didn't, they don't, yeah, they don't understand that, like, right. Right. don't right. enable. Yeah. So have you found that um, in the Black community that it's more prevalent for us to keep our family members at home, just in your circle of friends or family members versus saying, um, having somebody go to a nursing home a little bit sooner um, than maybe some other communities do? I think that sometimes because we kind of birds of a feather flock together, most of our community is Black people. That's all we know. So I don't know if we can really give an objective um, point of view on in that comparison. Okay. Um, and I haven't looked up any stats or anything, but I will say that I know quite a few white women who are now in their late 50s, early 60s, who cared for their parents until they passed. And they they brought them into their homes as well. Um, and it's interesting because these are people who I thought had the financial capability of placing them mm. in their 
um, nursing facility that would provide excellent care. And so I think that in general, like our human spirit, we kind of want to have our family there if we had good relationship with them. As a minimum. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think it, it, it varies what type of generational family experience you've had. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's all about that human connection. And I think for the most part, most black families want to do something. Right. They mm-hmm. want to say, like, I don't want them to go to a nurse home because a nurse home is this. Or they might like, well, somebody got to take them in. Like somebody, like the sisters, somebody got to do something, help me, help them, right? right, right. Process. I think right. it's just people don't have an, enough knowledge, especially right. if they're not from this field, to know what to do. So sometimes the nursing home becomes the thing because right. people not, they can't really stop working. They can't figure out who's going to come sit. Like it's mm-hmm. just a lot and it's overwhelming. Um, I think, but getting this message out, what you're doing tonight, you know, I think is amazing. Because people just need to start somewhere or just know people that have done it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, let me call on her. Let me text her real quick. Like, can you point me in the right direction? Can I reach back up to you if I get stuck? And so mm-hmm. I just had angels come along the way to help me, you know, figure that out. That is family. wonderful. Um, a lot of people may not know that I was a caregiver for my great aunt for the last few years. Actually, nope, can't do it. It's still too soon. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to move back along. Okay. <laughs> So what I'm going to do is talk about this. So as uh, my, like I said, I took care of my grandma, you know, with my mom and then my dad, you know, he was diagnosed uh, many years, fought it. And then um, it spread to his lungs. And in 2018, he had surgery. We got everything. He went back to work because he's a man. My daddy is a man's man. He's an <laughs> alpha man. And we, he shouldn't have went back to work, but for him, work was life. And so for him, you know, he went back to work until he couldn't do it. And so in February 2019, he had to come out. He was a truck driver, truck driver for years, um, for his entire life, pretty much. And when he stopped working, we saw Alzheimer's, like, sad dementia. Like, it was like a torpedo. Like, what? Oh, wow. I saw everything that took my grandmother years to get right. to happen in a matter of months. And so months and months, in a matter of months, the memory loss, just, we, we took the keys away from him. So that was February. We took the keys away from him in June because he had got a loss. He got lost. How did he, what did he do when you took the keys? He went, he he was supposed to go to a good friend and he got lost. And I called him. I'm like, where are you at? He's like, I don't know. I just, you know, I was like, well, at that time we had just got him a phone. So he had a tracker on his phone. So I was able to track where he was at. <laughs> was like, okay, we, we can't do this right. ever again. Right. So I took all the keys. I'm like, give me the car keys. My, he's like, she's like, I don't want to fight with him. I'm like, you ain't got to worry about it. I'm going to step up. Yeah. <laughs> now, was this when your grandmother already had passed? Yeah, passed. My grandmother passed in 2013. So we passed some time. You know, we like, okay. Right. And so I took the keys from him and I had a way with my dad. And that might be all girls. I don't know. Yes. Girls, yes. I had a way with him. And... In July of 2019, I saw something in him that I didn't see to my grandmother until she got in hospice. And her, when she got in hospice in 2013, I was like, that's weird that he's already here. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was he, he was just argumentative. Mood swings was just everything. He was sunsetting so quick. I'm like, man, this is too quick because it took Maria like years to get here. And he was fighting. He was hitting us. It was hit. I'm like, mom, we we can't do this. Like, he's different. Like, he's different. 
like we gotta put him in a nursing home because he's beyond our help. Yeah. He lasted in a nursing home. It, it, it was tough, but he was hitting. You know what I'm saying? It was okay. like we couldn't okay. like even with all the medicine he was taking, he was hitting and okay. he was in so much pain, moaning and screaming through the night. It was like, oh my God. yeah, we, we have to do something different. Right. He lasted in the nursing home three days and then he went into hospice care at McNeil and they were amazing. Like from start to finish, so for like July until he passed August 19th, it went quickly. And I had a, di we had a different experience with that. But I saw all the warning signs that took my grandmother years to like right. kind of collect happen in a matter of months. So sometimes being a caregiver is short, sometimes it's long. We really right. just don't know what it will be. But when you sign up to commit to being a caregiver, you have to sign up for the unexpected. It's the unexpected because you don't know. So Right. Yeah. 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 That's tough. I know yeah. that um, I had my great uncle uh, passed about three years ago. And um, when he, when I got involved, he actually was already in the hospital and my great aunt had just kind of decided on uh, that he needed to be placed on hospice. So he was okay. in a facility and he was placed on hospice. And I remember finding out and I was like, whoa, no family other than a woman that's like three years younger than him. Like he's 86. Well, maybe she was 80 and he was 86. Really? The 80 year old is the one that's doing this? And so I got involved because nobody else in the family seemed to care that much. Cause they kept saying my great aunt who was 80 at the time, oh, she's got it. She's been caring for him for years. But she's eighty years old. She tired. And my mama was tired because you know we had did this stint with my grandmother. So right. my mom was looking at me like, "Are we not doing what we did last time? We're not doing that." Right. And that could be burnout. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like now it's parent is like person number two between right. both of the houses. I'm like, we tired. We tired, Jesus. Right. <laughs> Make a way. Right. Um, we, we I advocated. We got all the resources. We got everything we did. You knew, with my right. You had those in your hip pockets, though. You're like, okay, we'll quick. call this number, down that number. It yeah. was real quick. But we knew, like, then, like, we just, because he was, he was literally physically fighting us. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt him or be accused of elder abuse. So. <laughs> right. That's real. Nobody trying to get off, go to jail. No. Trying to stop <laughs> your daddy from punching you in the face. Right. This is real talk, y'all. Black folks don't talk that real talk. <laughs> right. Now, you, they will hit they will hit you. So I, I don't know if it's a difference between man and woman. You know what I'm saying? But he was very aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My yeah. granddaddy got very aggressive. My granddaddy actually, he was uh he used to hunt. He grew up in Mississippi, he used to hunt deer and everything, and he had tons of guns. Ooh. So he threatened my aunt. And he had the guns and the bullets. So this was not a threat. Right. So, this was like actual. This was like, like real. She was going to turn into an animal in his mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know what they're thinking because their mind changes so quick. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he was not seeing her as his daughter because the way he was talking to her and functioning with her was like, oh, my gosh, he, you didn't, did something horrible to this man. You know, so now it makes you think my auntie must have been abusing him for him to turn on her. Right. <laughs> Your baby daughter. You didn't. <laughs> like, she's somebody in the street in an alley. That's how. We had that same experience. He told me, he was like, my daddy told me, like, look, little girl, I ain't playing with you. I was like, <laughs> and so, no, we get get caught time. up in the moment. You get caught up in the moment. You be like, who are you talking to? Like, first of all, I don't even have to do this. <laughs> and so I had to catch myself many a times because I'd be ready to snap. He, like, cussed out my son. And the crazy part at that time, so my son was 14, going on 15, my, he would have to pick him up. And put him on a because my daddy mm -hmm. didn't want to use the little the little cup. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to the bathroom. Right. Come pick me up. And so 
that made me feel a certain type of way. I'm like, okay, now he turned into a caregiver too young. We're not doing this with him. I did it. We, he done. We're going to the nursing home. I was yeah. like, but I'm like, we'll go sit at the nursing home around the clock. Thank God COVID hadn't hit because yeah. that would have been a different experience. But yeah. Now, but now your mom is of the age where she needs an assistant. Yes. So um, she has postmenopausal breast cancer. She's good now. We're in remission. Yeah. Radiation worked for her. We didn't have to do yeah. chemo. Um, but then she had a, a heart valve replacement, right? So I'm like, because of COVID, we had all those restrictions this year. And I noticed something in her. She had lost memory, short-term memory. I was like, what's going on? I'm like, what's happening? She don't remember anything. And so she didn't remember who I was. She was like, she would look at me. And she's like, why are you sitting here? I'm like, oh, I didn't play this game already twice. I went immediately to the medical provider. I was like, look, listen, okay? See signs of depression. I've been through this twice. I'm right. not doing it. I cannot care for her. I had a kids. I'm in school. Right. Like, I, can we get her in rehab? That was the best thing we could do for her. And she was mad. She was angry. But had we not did that, I don't know where she would be at right now. She's thriving. You know, when she went to rehab, she had speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical. She had, you know, mental health support. She had all those team of supports in one she building. Did, her memory is better now, or her, her memory is back. Everything she back. Excellent. She, she back like no. She back. Good. Trust me. Look, God heard your cry. God was like, like we know, baby. No, no I'm like this. No. Strike three. Nope. Mm -mm. And so now she's back, and she has she has a caregiver that comes three times a week, and okay. that's that's good for her. Like, cause we what we did, we set up the same services that took place with the grandma. So right. The services are there. You just yeah. gotta you gotta pick up the phone and call somebody. Now for your mom though, she's not needing the same level of care that you're oh, Absolutely dad. not. So for oh, her, is it like not. housekeeping and other things yep. like that? Yep, housekeeping, washing dishes, washing her clothes, changing her linen, dusting, you right. know, being that support person. So she gets five hours a day, three days a week. So, nice. And so does she appreciate does she enjoy that? Oh, absolutely. The conversation. Like right. she yeah. is able to talk to somebody outside of me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. love it. So right. that's because at 23, I was exposed to Department of Education Services. Right. And services stay there. They just may be reduced because of funding. Right. Right. But yeah. you have to continue to advocate for it. So Yes. So this has been, I, we could go on forever, honestly. But we're going to have to cut it short because I don't want, I want to leave people hungry for wanting more. So we'll have to have you back um, mm -hmm. and talk more about the hospice is a whole other thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned a lot of resources. What I'm going to do is drop in the post some resources for Proviso Township that I'm aware of. If you could send me some, I'll drop those as well. Okay. Um, and maybe a link to some legislation. Okay. Um, I, I have some too for mental health, just so people can know how to be more involved, what phone numbers to call, who to call for what. Because right. like I said, at our age, we're finding ourselves being caregivers to our parents. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure people have what they need to be prepared. We didn't even yep. get into trust and wills. I had an Oh yeah, that's a whole about that. That'd like all of that burial. Do you have <laughs> life insurance? Can can we put you in the ground? Do I gotta go in my backyard and start digging today? I wanna know what I need to do. The owners are expensive. They can go from ten to twenty thousand if you want to do it right. Ooh, you want to, you want to, and then you find out after they're deceased that they got a policy for two thousand five hundred dollars. They don't even have policies for twenty five hundred dollars. How you get no money on a policy? <laughs> if think I'm supposed to, I will. I will start. That's a whole nother. Guy. You got. We gonna have to get some insurance folks on the line so they can tell people about like it's a whole yeah. life versus term life. 
we get yeah, right now. Yeah, yes. So actually, we we have that coming up in 2020. Okay. Um, so in 2020, just to let people know, there's a lot going on on my Monday musings. We will have um, the attorney back talking about living wills and trust. We will have maybe Dr. Anderson Reeves will come back as a guest I, on that one and um, further discuss yeah. uh, things about hospice and being caregiver. Yeah. Um, also talking about um, the differences in life insurances. So we're going to mm -hmm. have these going on next year because I have gone through it repeatedly and. I was so frustrated. One of my family members one year said, I ain't paying for that another, well, she said it didn't work, uh, to that, but me. Because she didn't put up so much money to pay for everybody else because they didn't have enough life insurance. She was like, listen here, the next one. Right, right. The <laughs> loan is mine. So we want to make sure people are well-informed. Um, prepared courses they need before they leave this earth um, and are able to have these conversations with their family members. So we can laugh about it now. Um, and we right. all know that death is a part of life. So we want to have full lives. And what happens is when you're prepared, you get to experience more time living with the person than worried and stressed out. Yeah. Um, so that's more to come. We've had a lively discussion here. It's interesting that that was some people think it's morbid to talk about that stuff, but actually this was a good conversation, informative yeah. and yeah. comfortable with Dr. Tamika Anderson-Reeves. We'll definitely have you back in 2021. And for uh -huh. those that are just tuning in, you're going to have to just hit that replay button and then you'll see <laughs> all the resources there. So thank all right. you all for tuning in to Monday Musings with RC. This was a caregiver's experience with Dr. Tamika Anderson-Reeves. November is the National Alzheimer's Awareness Month, as well as Caregivers Awareness Month. So we just had a wonderful conversation. Thank you again for tuning in. I'll Thank see you, you next week at 6 p.m. Central Standard. No more daylight saving time. Central <laughs> Standard Time. Thank you all for watching. Thanks again for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Fit Life Give, a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. FitLife Gives specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book FitLife Give for your next event or personal service. That's fitlifegive.biz.